I've got the first office Christmas party. I've got everything that's in the air. Dave Fight! Hello there, welcome to Date Fight! Yes! It's a delight to be with you on this, the 17th of December. Is no, okay. I'm Nat Tuffy okay. and this is a podcast where we each take a fact from history, then we hurl it to the wall and see which is stickier. Round one! I would like to take you back to the 17th of December, 497 BC! Whoa! BC! I would like to be taken. Thank you. Have we ever done a BC before? I don't think we have done a BC. Nope, so I've gone... At least 500 years earlier than anyone else. That's a bonus point right there, isn't it? There it is. Um, to the first celebration of Saturnalia. Yes. The midwinter festival of the Romans. So it was a festival that went on for about a week. It on until the 23rd of December. Um, everyone uh, got very drunk. They gave each other gifts. Right. And um, the... Servants were the masters for one of the days, and the masters were the servants. Everything oh. was topsy turvy. It was a world turned upside down. And anyway, it gave us most of the traditions which we've adopted and turned into Christmas. And in that you have a midwinter festival where you eat too much, drink too much, uh, and give gifts. Yeah, I was just Saturnalia. No, quiet one. Family. <laughs> Do you think nice for Saturnalia? Yeah, fam- your family. <laughs> uh. <laughs> they didn't have Boxing Day, so it was rubbish. Do you like Boxing Day? I love Boxing Day. Boxing Day is the most wonderful time of the year. Why is that? Because you can just sit there and read books and eat leftovers and just... There's no expectation anymore, is there? It's like, it's over. Yeah. You know, for better or for worse, you've done it. Yeah. Books. Whatever. Okay, that's good. I like your Saturnalia. I'll see your Saturnalia Mm -hmm. and I'll raise you 17th of December 1903. Yeah. Where the Wright Brothers... Oh. Ian and Matthew <laughs> <laughs> make the first controlled, powered, heavier-than-air flight in the Wright Flyer at Kitty Hawk in North Carolina, oh. where I have been. Have you? Yes. Did you go because they did it there or just for other reasons? No, I was on my way to Ocracoke. It's a magical place. Actually, mm. if you ever get the chance to go... Go. Okay. It's on an isthmus, isthmus. that sticks out. Merry Christmas of isthmus. This Merry isthmus. It sticks out the side of North Carolina. Yeah. And it sort of goes down and it tapers down this little spit of land until it sort of fragments into islands. Mm. Now, Kitty Hawk is fairly near the top bit. Um, and as you go, I was going to Ocracoke, which is like the last island. It's the last stop and it's where... Blackbeard the pirate met his grisly end, where the deck was slick with blood and he was run aground. Anyway, it's a magical place. It really is. Of all the places (laughs) I've been... imagine the blood. Yeah. No, but it's it's all silvery and shimmery and shiny and just... It's unlike anywhere else I've been in the States. Yeah. In that there's there's very little kind of uh, chain commerce. There's mm-hmm. not really any kind of Starbucks or anything like that. It's got a very unique feel to it. And it's stunningly beautiful. You've got this kind of almost lagoon on one side mm-hmm. of the isthmus, isthmus and the ocean on the other. And it tapers right the way down until it's literally the road you're driving on and a little sound, sand dune either side. And yeah. you get right to the end and then there's a ferry waiting for you and it takes you over to the last island. But Kitty Hawk... Do you know why they did the flight at Kitty Hawk? No. They they needed to find a place. They weren't from there. Mm-hmm. They needed to find a place that had a steady onshore wind, quite importantly, mm-hmm. 
onshore wind of <laughs> about 30 miles an hour right to get this thing off the ground yeah and they didn't know how to do it so the way what they did was they asked the u.s postal service they said can you ask all the postmen <laughs> If they know of anywhere. And so they did this massive sort of census of the postman of America until someone, the, the Kitty Hawk postman said, you want to try it down here, mate? <laughs> and he didn't say it like that. He said, hey, buddy, you want to try it down here? And that's how they found Don't it. I think my postman would know. And that's how they made my postman's all over the shop. He'd be there in his shorts with his podcast in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you think he listens to this? No. Does, can I tell you my story about a postman quickly? Yes, do. So uh, the 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 door bell goes. Oh yeah. And, and, <laughs> oh yeah. And oh yeah. Here's what's happened. Mm. I'm on the loo. What? <laughs> right. No. And way. I think you know what? I'm just going to let it go. When, when I say that, yeah. I mean the the whoever's at the door. And then I hear footsteps coming like round the back of the house. I'm like, oh, this is a bit weird. If someone casing the joint, what's about to happen here? Uh, and so. I quickly pull up my trousers and I run down the stairs in great haste, mm. thinking, is my house about to be burgled? And I open the door and I see it was the postman and he's he's leaving. And I say, oh, sorry, sorry, I was, I was, I was here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And the postman says, um, what, didn't you answer the door? <laughs> and I said, well... I was on the lavatory, if you... <laughs> really my good man, if you would get... <laughs> yeah. And he said, oh, right. He said, well, I've got a package here. And it was said I've got a package here, <laughs> and it was from my partner mm-hmm. who doesn't have my surname, right? And so I signed for it, and he's just turning to go, and he goes, "Has anyone ever told you you look like Jake Yap?" And I went, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you look like him, but you look like you're more full of actual human feces than he is." <laughs> well, I wasn't by then, but he he knew I. would been on the toilet. Yeah. And he knew I'd come in great haste. <laughs> I haven't washed my hands. Anyway, so you look like Jake Yap. I said, I, I am Jake Yap. Yeah. And somewhat dishearteningly, I'm not going to lie to you, he just went, what are you doing living here? <laughs> like, everybody has to live somewhere. People think, you know, you go on TV, every, yeah. every appearance on TV comes with a standard million pound contract. Yep. Like, it does. It does. It it's, definitely does. What? Do you, do you not get that? No. Oh. I got slightly I more than maybe a, a a week of work as a plumber. Oh. Anyway. This is all good. And that happened twice, and that was four years ago. So uh, he says, oh, it was very nice to meet you. And he insisted on shaking my unwashed <laughs> hand. <laughs> I was like, well, more for you. So now he's, he's very chesty him with botulism. And- Here's hoping. No, he's fine. It's the shorts. They're very resilient people. Yes. <laughs> they got hardy knees. Yeah. Anyway, he he knew where there was a steady 30 mile an hour wind. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you can have that point. Really? Yeah, because if only because of the postman poo story. <laughs> <laughs> it takes us to 2 1 what? to me. Oh, yeah. <sighs> fine. A uh, Wikipedia describes him in a way which 20 years ago I probably would have been quite dismissive of, mm. um, but now seems like it's okay as a minor poet and man of letters. 
Nice. Which I would have gone, oh, that's a, there's a bit of a diss in there. And now yeah. I go, yeah, Fair find a man of letters. That sounds all right. Married to Tess. Testicle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he did a translation of the Iliad at the same time Alexander Pope did, which upset Alexander Pope a lot. Uh-huh. And essentially, I just included him because I want to call him Mr. Tickle. That's the yeah. entire thing. Was he the inspiration for Roger Hargreaves? I believe he was. He did have extraordinary long arms. <laughs> Could they go out the window and down the road and everything? No, he made that bit up. Oh, right. They were just, like, down to his feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Also, happy birthday to Emilie du Châtelet, a French scientist um, and who wrote the foundations of physics, probably the best French scientist of the 1730s. She was um, very famous at the time. Voltaire, at one point, lived with her. And it was described, again, in the source I've got as, uh, became her long-term companion under the eyes of her tolerant husband. Crumbs. (laughs) I mean... I mean, tolerant or... Turgid. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Voltaire can move in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, no, I, I just want to watch. I just sit and no, watch. I just sit watch. Quite happy with it, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> uh, um, and they used to compete together. They had two laboratories. Oh, two they? labs built to do different science experiments, and they used to compete to see who could win the most prizes. That's healthy. Yeah, that was Emily and Voltaire. Uh, she died in childbirth because childbirth is a ridiculous waste of people up until the 20th century. Yeah. Also, happy birthday to Radio and DJ Greg James, who I believe you have opinions about. Yes, I think he's wonderful. Good. Yeah, he's um, he's really great. he's very fresh and uh, fresh brings sound. brings something really unique to the party. I think. Yeah. What? What? What is that? Very pleasant. Death Day to Simon Bolivar, a second president of Venezuela, who gave his name to the idea of um, Central and South American countries being independent of Western influences and having and gave inspiration to many revolutionary movements throughout Central and South America. Also, happy death day to Dorothy L. Sayers. Ah, yeah. Also, happy death day to, and this is sort of on the same lines as Greg James, Kim Jong-il. That's very unfair on <laughs> Kim, Kim Jong-il. <laughs> Although Kim, Kim Jong-il's uh, mid-morning show on Radio 1 was an absolute <laughs> scream. Round two. I'm going to take you back to 1951. Wow. But not the 17th of December yet. That's coming. I mean, that is the premise of the show. I know. Okay. But a new project is launched called Project Blue Book. Previously, it was Project Sign, and previously, it was Project Grudge. And this was the department of the American Air Force tasked with finding, investigating unidentified flying objects. Mm. So this was 1951, and it started uh, under this guy called Ruppelt. Ruppelt. Mm-hmm. And he was... Amazing. So he was a, a highly decorated airman. A Christmas tree. <laughs> no. Uh, which would have been nice yeah. in a seasonal way. Especially um, they had to introduce people. This is Colonel Ruppelt. With a degree in aeronautics. Now, he's the guy who came up with UFO, unidentified okay. flying object. And he was scrupulously uh, 
open-minded about right. everything. He it's he didn't want to overly believe and he didn't want to not believe. He mm-hmm. tried to be completely neutral about everything and he standardised the investigation. He had a sort of set questionnaire for each incident so that he, he wanted to have, like, data that he could actually sort of chart yeah. and, and get metrics on and stuff. And it, he was really, really great. And... Uh, the American scientist Michael D. Sword said uh, uh, Ruppelt would lead the last genuine effort to analyse UFOs. And he he was great. Did and he it disappear? They drilled teeth his teeth, man. <laughs> so there was, there was a, another person working on it, an astronomer, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, mm-hmm. who was a scientific consultant who came up with the phrase close encounters. So this, oh. this blue book thing was the thing. And then... Ruppelt went off on... He was sort of seconded to another project. And by the time he came back, his team had been reduced from 10 to 2 and it was all kind of going all up the wonks. And it really kind of went off the rails and it lost a lot of credibility and people felt that it was just kind of debunking stuff. And it's right. kind of... As you got into the 60s, it's when... he wanted to rebunk stuff. He was, he was, he was neither a debunker or a rebunker. He right. just bunked. <laughs> <laughs> but people lost faith... In, right. in it because they basically just tried to bat away every unexplained thing. Mm. You know, they didn't want to keep any case open. So, uh, for example, um, there was the Portage County UFO chase. So this was in 1966 on April the 17th in Ohio. Uh, police officers saw what they called a disc-shaped silvery object with a bright light emanating from its underside. They reckon it was about a thousand feet up in altitude. Now, mm-hmm. these people were like, they'd been in the Air Force, these yeah. policemen. Like, they kind of knew what they were talking about. And they chased this thing for uh, half an hour. They thought it had travelled in total 85 miles, this mm-hmm. thing. And it made national news and everything. And Blue Book said, uh, no, nah, mate, it was a communication satellite. It wasn't a thousand feet up. It was a communication satellite. Oh, 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 oh and it actually was, was Venus. It was Venus, mate. Um, and there was another one where they said, nah, it's Venus. It's almost like... And people said, no, 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 no. Venus was on the other side of the Earth. And doesn't move 170 miles an hour. No, exactly. The whole thing sort of became discredited and the last publicly acknowledged day of Blue Book operations was December the 17th, 1969. A sad day. A very sad day for ufology. Yeah, a great day for them to carry They still on. had a little party. But it's where all the kind of paranoia that... The military was doing things that they didn't want people to know about. That it all emanated from this blue book project going a bit wonky. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to the 17th of December, 1538, when Pope Paul III excommunicated Henry VIII. Oh, he excommunicated him because he heard about the desecration of the shrine of Saint Thomas Becket. Because Henry VIII no longer really wanted to be part of the Catholic Church, but this was the final break with the Catholic Church, which led to the dissolution of the monasteries the next year and the desecration of all the shrines in the country because if we didn't have to be Catholic anymore, you could just smash them all up. Oh. He had originally tried to get a divorce from uh, Catherine of Aragon, uh, but the Pope wouldn't give him one. It's a different Pope. That was an earlier Pope, Pope Clement the something, seventh maybe, um, because Catherine of Aragon's nephew was Charles V, the Holy Roman Empire, and probably the most powerful man in Europe at the time. So he didn't, the Pope didn't want to annoy him, so he'd rather annoy Henry. Oh, I see. And also, you know, there's the whole, it was against the religion thing, you know. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I bet that Pope just wanted to bang their heads together, all them heads of state. <laughs> bet he did. Poor old Popes. Back to Pope. We haven't had a Pope in a while. No, it's been ages since we it's had been a Pope. a Pope-free week. Yeah. It's been a Pope-free fortnight, practically. Excommunicating Henry VIII. After the 18th of December, 17th of December, he's fine. God will talk to him. 18th of December, no. Straight to hell. Just overnight. Unless, like King Henry VIII, you go, well, you're not the head of the church anymore, I am. I now decide what the church is. Good lateral thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, you say I'm going to hell, but, but. what if I say I'm not? <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> Pope Paul. Well, I don't know. It's up to you. I mean, one <laughs> one thing is about hugely discredited celestial bodies up in the heavens that we don't really know anything about, that some people blindly believe in and other people don't. Oh, I see. Do you see what I'm doing the old... It's a Langdon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a standard uh, bait and switch. Yeah. What do you... Well, Church of England versus all extraterrestrial life. like extraterrestrials. You can have it. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Amazing. This could be the week. Yeah. The thing is, having seen all the forfeits that you've had to do on Sunday... So yeah. here's the way it works, in case you don't know. Uh, we, we keep a tally across the week, and then on Sunday, whoever's lost has to pay a forfeit. Mm. Uh, and that's been me every single time so far. <laughs> but seeing the times that Nat has had, yeah, his treats <laughs> have been so ghastly. What his forfeit's going to be, <laughs> I, can, I can only dread to think on your behalf. <laughs> But you can. I mean, in some ways, I feel like I've suffered all of the forfeits so far. <laughs> I basically have had to prepare an extra bit to say to everyone whilst going through an experience I don't want to go through. <laughs> this is such a stupid podcast. Thanks for indulging us. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. Why not tomorrow. see how all this plays out? Every day. Share and subscribe and all that, will you? It does make such a difference. Write a rating and a review. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. that'd be amazing. Maybe Tell just... your mum. Tell your mum how to do podcasts. Bake a cake and decorate it with the thumbnail. Yeah. That would be... Not with your thumbnail. No, <laughs> we'll do three colours. Blue, yellow and black. Or yeah. White, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we'll see you tomorrow for cake. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye.